0: What's going on everybody? Welcome to episode 32 of Trail Tales. My name is Kyle O'Grady and this is the podcast where I, a through thru-hiker and peak bagger and all-around hiking nerd chat with other people just like myself that is other through hikers and other peak baggers and other hiking nerds. If any of that sounds interesting to you or if you fall into any of those categories and you've not done so already, I would really Appreciate it if you subscribe to the show and maybe went and checked out some older episodes. If you're a regular listener, welcome back, and I appreciate that very much. This week's episode was so, so much fun. Right now it's Tuesday evening, and I just recorded this episode last night, and I think it's one of my favorite ones, honestly. My guest, her name is Alton Eccles. She's done a bunch of stuff in the whites, she's done a bunch of stuff in the Adirondacks, really just all over the Northeast. She's been some other places as well. And we touched on so many different topics in this one. We really went all over the place. Uh, We talk, like I just said, about the whites and the Adirondacks quite a bit, but we also talk about hiking with her dog Cole. And she, I mean, she says it in the episode, she pretty much exclusively hikes with Cole. That dog is just as badass as her. It's incredible. Like, Seriously, this is going to blow your guys' mind. We also talk about the Kohas Trail in New Hampshire, which I'm finally learning how to pronounce. And we even talk a little bit about why she prefers winter hiking over summer hiking. And yeah, that's just a little bit of what we talk about. Like I said, we really go all over the place with this one. And I think it was a complete, complete blast. So... Alton, when you hear this, thank you so, so much for coming on. I really, really appreciate it, and I don't think I said this earlier, say hi to Cole for me. We're going to get into the conversation in just a second here, but first, I'm going to go over three things. I promise I'll keep it quick here, people. Don't hit that skip button. First of all, five-star iTunes reviews. What's going on with that, people? I haven't gotten a written five-star iTunes review in like over a month now. It's kind of bumming me out. So if you like this show, if you listen every week, or maybe you just found it and you like what you hear, I would really appreciate if you left me a five-star iTunes review and write a little funny message or something um, when you do it. And I will read it at the beginning of next week's episode. It'll be super, super fun. Those reviews do really help the show. And it's a good way for me to get feedback because it's really not... it's, It's tough to get feedback with a podcast. There's no comments section. And There's no like like dislike button So I would really appreciate that another good way to give me feedback because I know you're just dying to give me feedback is to send me an email or a Message on Facebook or a DM on Instagram So let's go over real quick how you can do one or all of those three things email trailtailspod at gmail.com. I love 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 getting emails. I check that shit multiple times a day like it's it it, it just delights me when a new name pops into my inbox god that's kind of pathetic but no for real like that's another huge way that i can get feedback from you guys if you have guest suggestions if you have yeah just really any feedback at all i'd love to hear on there trailtalespod at gmail.com or you can send me a message on instagram my instagram is at trailtalespod i would really appreciate if you go and uh sauce a follow over there that'd be pretty sweet is that even a thing sauce a follow? i don't know i think i just made something up but we're gonna roll with it here um the last place yeah facebook go like trail tales on facebook that would be sweet as well um yeah the last thing i want to say real quick before we get into the chat is a quick plug for the trail tales patreon now like i get it like i don't like it when people ask me for money online but like Seriously, if you don't know what Patreon is or you're considering becoming a supporter of this show on Patreon, I'd really, really appreciate it. If you go to patreon.com slash trailtales, you can pledge $5 a month. You'll get a bonus episode and a blooper reel every single month. There was a couple bloopers in this week's episode, which... Only the Patreon supporters are going to get to hear, so please go check that out. I mean, the bonus content is great and all, but it also just really helps, like, continue this show, basically. There are some small costs associated with it, and there's a pretty big cost, uh, just for my time. So, yeah, if you listen every week, please at least consider it, and, um, that would be super, super sick. Once again, patreon.com slash trail Tales, alright? I think that's all I'm gonna say in this week's introduction. Actually, no, that's not true at all. I have one more thing to say. You're gonna be hearing this on Wednesday, June 12th, 2019, most likely anyways. And that means tonight, the Stanley Cup Finals Game 7 is on. We talk about the Bruins a little bit later on in this episode, but... I just, I gotta say, people, go Bruins! Go Bruins! Go Bruins! Let's bring home the Cup. I'm so excited and hopefully it all works out well. Okay, for real this time, let's do it. Let's get into the episode, My Conversation with Alton Eccle. Five seconds is up, here we go. All right, episode number 32 of Trail Tales. I'm super excited today to be joined. By Alton Eckle, She's done a bunch of stuff in the whites. She has an awesome dog named Cole who's also done a bunch of stuff in the whites and elsewhere. And I am so excited to talk about it. Alton, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing well. How are you?
0: I'm fantastic. I had to work a little bit late today, so I almost, like, I, I was literally, like, typing on my, my work computer, and then just, like, 7 o'clock it switched over to this computer, and then I got to do a little bit more afterwards, so I'm just going to switch back over, but... Oof, that's such a Monday. I know. Yeah, for real. We're we're recording this on a Monday, everybody, if you, uh, <laughs> if you didn't hear Alton just say that, so yeah. But it's all good. It's nice to take a little break from work and talk about some hiking, so... I think that's what we're going to do today. So, all right, yeah, let's just jump right into it. Shit, I always feel kind of awkward, like, starting these, but I don't know. So, (laughs) pretty much the way I start all these, I guess. It shouldn't be awkward, because I ask the same question pretty much every time at the beginning. Is, yeah... Alton, why don't you just talk a little bit about like what you've done as far as hiking goes, and you know, after that, we'll kind of get into you know how you like first got into hiking and your history behind that. But let's just start by getting your. I know, I know you you don't like it. You don't like to answer this, as we talked about earlier. But let's let's say your hiking resume quote. You know, you know that yes. kind of question.
1: <laughs> yes, let's see just how narcissistic I can sound. Awesome. <laughs> so for I'm not like your typical absolutely amazing people that you've interviewed that do these elaborate wonderful fantastic through hikes Um, for the most part we Cole and I just stay in the northeast and kind of bomb around the trails for a day or through the night or go off trail and bushwhack to weird slides on occasion we'll do like a week out there but that's pretty rare for us we're just starting out with that type of stuff so for the most part we just two to three times a week try to get up to the whites or out to the adirondacks or up into maine mm-hmm. and kind of just put in anywhere from like we're talking a five mile day to a 50 mile day and the dog never really knows so it's kind of cool <laughs> that he's willing to go
0: nice nice that's so funny um what are some of like the uh the uh, just just like the overview of like the See, this is a this is a weird question to ask because it is kind of like narcissistic, but um, I don't know. Like you, you get what I'm saying there. Like the resume, like kind of the stuff you sent me earlier with like the. Um... So, like
1: probably one of the most, the most quintessential types of hikes in the Whites that everyone kind of bows down to is the hut to hut, which is it's technically around forty six to forty eight miles, and you hit all eight of the major huts in the White Mountains. In a single day. And it has around 17,000 feet of gain. And you also have to hike in and out of the first and last hut. So it's about 54 miles, really. Jeez. And so I did that prior to owning Cole. And then when I adopted him, it took me a couple of tries to really get up the balls to actually complete it and feel like I was <laughs> not doing him a disservice. And so that's probably like one of the most recognizable things that we've done. So hut to hut is about fifty-four miles, seventeen thousand elevation in a day.
0: Yeah, that's pretty. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's pretty insane, honestly. Um, it looks like you've also done the. Let's uh, see, my my regular listeners are gonna laugh at me for this shit, but <laughs> the New Hampshire Trail, the Koo Trail. Kohas? Yes, I know. Yo, you did. Trail. I- yes. Took me three episodes, but I finally got it. Yeah, it's brutal. Is the county is the county <laughs> pronounced this because the county is like spelled a little bit different too. It's like I want to C- say that's
1: like Coos or something. C-O-O-S. I don't know.
0: Coos, like it's New Hampshire. Why is it like so? I, don't I even know. know. I don't even know. <laughs> we
1: should be dropping our R's, not our H's. Yeah. but whatever.
0: I don't even know. But anyways, so you've you've done that as well. It sounds like I've got some questions for that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So we did that two or three. Two, two summers ago, um, and that was really our first technically through hike, mm-hmm. it's about 175 miles, and it starts in Crawford Notch, and basically the goal of that trail was to be incredibly remote and take you to places that most hikers don't go in New Hampshire. Right. So it goes through – it does go through the presidentials and then kind of like slides through Kilkenny Ridge, and you see people – and then you end up continuing north, going through Dixville, Notch, Table Rock is part of it, which is absolutely beautiful. And then continue further north where you basically feel like you're going back in time through like <laughs> Lancaster, New Hampshire, and just all those towns that are kind of more snowmobiler type right, of towns. Yeah. Um, and then you finish up in Canada. And so we, we did that as our like first through hike, and it took... I forget the exact amount of time, but it was five days and I believe nine hours to get that done.
0: Nice, nice. Yeah. See, that's like, I've, I've talked to like a couple guests, actually within the last few episodes, really, who have done that trail. And for some reason, I haven't gotten around to like actually like giving them a bunch of questions about it. Cause like I do this thing mm. often where, I'll interview someone who's hiked a trail that's like not as popular, like the Cohas yes. <laughs> Trail. And um, I, I don't even understand how that's a name in New Hampshire. But, um, anyways, <laughs> and like I'll, I'll often ask them like the you know, just like the stereotypical like questions that hikers might research when they're first learning about a trail. Um, Do you mind kind of going through some of that stuff real quick? I don't really have any notes on this, but I I feel like I after mispronouncing the name for like three episodes, I I got (laughs) to actually teach people or (laughs) explain to people what this trail is a little bit. So, yeah, is that cool?
1: Yeah, I'll do my best to answer it. It was kind of just a thing that like I walked on, but I can do I don't really know like a ton of history on it but I do know it's taken off
0: (laughs) right right so I I I guess like the first question I have about it is like so I I know I I don't know that much about it I do know that the first like x amount of miles just kind of follows some of the trails in the white mountain system is that correct
1: yes it starts in Crawford Notch on Davis path and kind of winds through pretty remote trails just skirting around Eisenhower okay um so you're you're still around people, but you're you're on very remote, not well traveled trails, which I believe is kind of the goal of that one. Right, right. So you basically don't see humans that day very often, which is really nice.
0: Yeah. See that's that's one of the things that kind of throws me off about this trail is it's like it's 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 its own like entity, like it's got its own like, you know, like organization that maintains it and all this stuff it's got its own like little like patch i'm looking at on google images right now and all this stuff um but then like the first part of it i guess or the last part of it if you go southbound like just kind of borrows the white mountain trail system i I guess my question here is like how far into it do you actually like just be on like the cohas trail versus like the white mountain trails
1: that pretty much takes over once you're through the kilkenny ridge you're pretty much following the coos trail at that
0: point okay okay and um I guess I mean obviously if you're not hiking through the whites anymore there's got to be like some change of scenery can you just like talk a little bit about like how the trail might have changed after you got through there
1: it becomes much more gentle so you pretty much are on more rollers for hills versus really rugged terrain once you get I would say probably like 10 to 20 miles north of Cabot it turns into much faster stuff that you can move through but again it's really it's just remote like you feel like you're in the middle of nowhere you're crossing through a lot of like snowmobile trails that are really overgrown um there are a couple of road walks it's just it has a very snowmobile vibe to it.
0: <laughs> that is pretty popular up in northern New Hampshire. I remember when I was in i I've driven through like Gorham, New Hampshire during the winter a couple times. And I mean, I know that's still a little bit south. That's, you know, more in the white area still. But yeah, there's like literally snowmobiles just like going down like the sidewalk and shit. Like <laughs> definitely, that's huge, up there. that's huge up there.
1: Yeah, there were like a lot of four-wheelers were going by and stuff. So that it's great. You get a lot of dirt kicked up on you. <laughs> it's awesome, but um lots of like wildflowers just really really pretty and it again it changes from that rugged white mountain feel after the first i really don't know the mileage but probably mm-hmm. 10 to 20 north of like north of Cabot it gotcha. really just starts to shift and you're on a lot of they almost feel like roads compared to your typical white mountain type of hiking
0: you talk about the snowmobile trails and you know the atv paths and that stuff is it See, honestly, I hiked a trail a couple of weeks ago down in South Carolina called the Foothills Trail and like a good like Ooh. at least 25% of that trail was on like legitimate like logging roads, like, you know, with these wide paths I and mean, you yes. know what a freaking logging road is obviously you're a hiker. And so I guess I'm, I'm just kind of thinking back to that. And I'm wondering, you know, when you talk about these snowmobile trails and these ATV trails, is the co trail actually (laughs) is it actually following those trails or is it just kind of like intersecting them and and skirting over them
1: so it's a combination like you could be on those for two or three miles and then go kind of back into single track into the woods and then kind of pop out and cross them again but there's a decent amount of time that you're pretty much on those types of either logging roads or it's like a pretty wide path um the other thing i did forget to mention is because it's so remote up there Tons of moose. It's
0: pretty rare. Oh, rad. I, you know what? I bet I've seen some pictures on like the because I'm in the Koha's Trail <laughs> Facebook group, <laughs> and um, I've yeah, people post pictures of that shit all the time for sure.
1: Yes, that's like probably the best part of it. There's just a ton of bogs, ton of overgrown stuff, and then yeah, it's a lot of it is pretty wide though compared to what we're used to in the Whites at least.
0: Okay, cool, cool. Um, another question that I've honestly been wondering about this trail, and maybe I just need to look at a freaking map and it might answer my question, but how's like the camping? So like, I know just again, for being in that Facebook group, like I know they like have shelters, like a couple shelters. I don't know. Like, are there other like established campsites or is it mostly just, um, like stealth camping?
1: It's kind of, it depends on where you end up at night. We tried pretty hard to get to lean twos each night and there's actually, I want to say it's like. I can't remember exactly what its award is. But if you look it up, there's like an award for it's either like the most beautiful lean to in like the Northeast or like, it might be in America, they have some ridiculous thing about one of these lean tos. And we stayed in that one. And it was it was beautiful and new and just perfect. And no mice had destroyed it, you know, the usual.
0: Yeah, Um, Yeah.
1: So there are definitely there's a lot of a lot of lean-tos because you have so many snowmobilers that need spots to crash out. Um, oh, really? Like
0: the, oh, really? Like the snowmobile people use the... <laughs> or at
1: least maybe the four-wheelers? I don't know. Because they were all...
0: Maybe, maybe just because it's like easy for the trail maintainers to get in there. I don't know.
1: Yeah. I'm not really sure, but they have... They basically just have lean-tos pretty free... Like frequently enough along the trail that if you're making decent mileage, you can get to a lean-to. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of nice, especially if there's like any weather coming in. Um, we did, we camped out one night and just kind of stealth camped. Um, there's definitely plenty of camping, especially along like Cherry Mountain Road or whatever the heck it is there, <laughs> off of three hundred two. But it's summer and everyone's camping, yeah, so for yeah. the most for the most part, especially if it's a weekend, you just end up kind of stealth.
0: Okay. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. That's like I said a minute ago, that's definitely on my list. I mean, I live like so close to it too. Um, I I feel like I definitely got to get over there at some point. So we'll see. We'll see. And Honestly, like it just, it looks like super, super remote. Like you were saying too, like, that's one of the things that definitely stood out to me in my very limited, clearly research. So
1: (laughs) (laughs) It is. And there are like tons of waterfalls and lakes you go by. Like it is a really pretty trail.
0: Yeah, for sure, for sure. I, I think I'm going to try to have somebody else on that can maybe like nerd out about that a little bit more because I am curious to know. However, there's like so much stuff here that I want to get to with you, Alton. So I think, I think we're going to talk about Cole a little bit. So you've mentioned Yay! Cole a couple times a little bit already, and it sounds like you guys pretty much go hand-in-hand hand when it comes to the trail. Yeah, you're pretty much always hiking with him?
1: I am. It's... Very, very rare that he doesn't come with me. I think I've only done two hikes without him since I took over ownership.
0: Okay, okay, interesting. So, why don't you just like talk a little bit about like who he is, what kind of dog (laughs) is he, and some of his history on the trail?
1: So, Cole is a six year old Shiba Inu. It sounds like I'm swearing whenever I say that. (laughs) And his breed typically gets to be about 20 to 25 pounds, but he's 40. And he's pretty solid. So he's he's like very big for the breed, which is – it actually works in my favor to have him that size. And the way I ended up having him is that one of my friends couldn't keep him. So I took him for a weekend, brought him up Huntington Ravine at seven months old so Mount Washington. That and his he first killed hike? it. That's his first <laughs> hike. Damn. <laughs> yep. Dude just like had no issues at all killed it, showed zero like problems with the rocks and the ruggedness. So at that point I kept him. And, um, around like one and a half, I took him for his first Pemi loop and he took, oh, so Pemi loop for anyone that doesn't know is just like 31, 32 ish miles around the Pemi Jawasa wilderness. Um, pretty like iconic hike. (laughs) And he, he just, killed that too. I think we did it in like nine hours and change. And he just acted like it was nothing. Like, fine, jumped in the back of my car, didn't need any help. Very low maintenance dog. Um, He's done great when we go off trail. Sometimes some of the things that we'll do are like slides that are off trail in the whites, especially pretty frequently, they would be ice climbing routes that in summer can be pretty technical, little crumbly a little difficult to get up and he just gets up them like right (laughs) up a climbing route i think if i was to guess probably the most technical stuff he's gone up i would say for any climbers out there about a five seven is what he can get up without assistance
0: Um, (laughs) i don't know what that means but it sounds pretty legit so
1: (laughs) he's just he's he's basically i joke that I don't know if anyone watches South Park, but instead of Man Bear Pig, he's basically just robot wolf goat. So <laughs> that's his deal. He's anything but a dog. Oh, that's um, so good. But yeah, and he's, he's traveled all over the country with me for hiking. He's been to Colorado and Utah. He's gone to Montana. Um, yeah, he's basically down for anything. He's done the Northeast 115. So...
0: Damn, that's that's so incredible. One of the questions I was gonna ask you was like, I guess I guess I'll rewind for a second here. A couple episodes ago, I had a guest on named Effie Drew, and she's also hiked a shit ton with her dog. Nice. Um, she, I think her, she said, uh, I, I I hope I don't mess this number up because it was just a couple episodes ago. But I think it was something like seven thousand miles, like something ridiculous Damn. with her dog, which is awesome, and. I was kind of just picking her brain a little bit about, you know, advice for like hiking with dogs. Because honestly, I, I've never, I actually, that's not true. I, I kind of have a dog now. My roommates and I are, or we, we were fostering a dog for the moment. But for most of my life I'm 23, I've really never had a dog, never had one growing up and really don't have any experience hiking with a dog. And I was just kind of asking her about. You know, how to like get your dog up to speed, you know, with not even like a through hike or anything crazy like that, just with like backpacking or even day hiking. And one of her pieces of advice was like to kind of ease him into it. Right. But then you said that you just threw coal right up the, uh, the Huntington review trail. Like that's pretty yes. gnarly. I don't know. Can you talk about that a little bit? Like, I, th- I think that's so, hilarious.
1: So I should probably just throw disclaimers out there at all times that, like, <laughs> no one should do what I did. <laughs> um, typically, what I tell other people is, yes, ease them into it. Like, your your other guest gave the most perfect advice. Um Cole, just, he's really weird where I had already known him prior to adopting him. So I'd been running with him a little bit and kind of could read him really well. And so I had a pretty good feeling he would take to the type of mileage and terrain pretty easily. Right,
0: right. That that, that definitely makes a little more sense, yeah.
1: Yeah, but he, I would say more than anything, it really just, it doesn't even necessarily depend on the breed or the training or the amount of time there really isn't, even like with a hiker, there isn't this perfect little recipe of, well, do this hike and this hike and this hike, and you'll be ready for something big. I think a big part of it really is just the animal as an individual and what they're capable of and how they're raised and just kind of what their what their exposure is from a young age. Mm-hmm. So he, I, I do say this constantly. I got really lucky with him. I don't think I don't think many dogs could do what he does, which sounds incredibly like arrogant and like every dog owner out there. <laughs> um, but he'll he'll stay awake for 24 hours doing these crazy hikes. Damn. And most dogs would like lay down and be like, nah, dude, I'm oh, going not, to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so definitely got lucky. And then the next day he'll wake up and be like, we doing it again? What's up?
0: That's so incredible. <laughs> you, you might have said this a second ago, so I apologize. Um, how old is he?
1: He's 6.
0: 6 okay. So, you know, again, I don't know a ton about dogs, but that, that's probably what like m- oh man, I might make a fool of myself here. Is that like middle age-ish for a dog?
1: It it is. It's funny. So, the reason we're finishing up the grid is because around 6, some dogs can start to get like they can start to need to taper down on their miles. Mm-hmm. Some dogs keep going pretty like decent mileage days until they're 10 or 11. But just kind of as a precaution, I want to try and like fit in as much as we can while he's kind of nearing the end of his prime. Yeah. Which is around, he'll turn seven in October. And that's like around the time that I'm going to be paying pretty good attention to how his body is responding and his disposition when he's out there for long days.
0: Right, right. Okay. Interesting. Um, while we're still kind of on the topic of, uh, I mean, well, I feel like Cole is going to be a reoccurring topic for this episode, yes. which is which is great. <laughs> but um. I guess, again, coming from the place of a person who doesn't know anything about hiking with dogs, really, like what kind of precautions do you take when you're when you're hiking with him to make sure he's like stays safe and stays healthy?
1: So biggest thing that I do is he doesn't like to drink or eat from a bowl. So whenever we come near water, I make sure that I stop so he can drink because if I keep going, he just will keep going. So that's probably the biggest thing, especially with it getting so warm this time of year. Um, definitely take time to let him cool off in any like pond that he needs to. And then the other big thing that I watch for with him is his disposition. It It's really – it's only happened a couple of times. But if his actual demeanor and personality starts to change – that's when I know something's up. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't. He's not very demonstrative. He doesn't show a lot of emotion in his face. Like a lot of dogs, like they smile and they look excited. And he's pretty <laughs> stoic.
0: I was gonna say, like I've seen the pictures, and it does look like he's just kind of like cool, calm, and collected. You know? Yeah.
1: He's a robot. Like there's typically no response. So if if we're seeing other dogs and he seems a little weirded out and like freaked out, then I know he's probably really tired. Um, But for the most part, even like this past Saturday, we had a really big day and he was totally cool with every dog we saw, like sniffed him, kept going, was himself. Um, He's very light on his feet. He He's not very clumsy. So if that ever changed, I would know something was up. Mm-hmm. And I do like on days that we're in, like he's done a double prezzy. So it's an out and back of the presidentials. And the Northerns are... T- so gnarly on their pads. So I definitely, days that were up there, I'll check his pads. But knock on wood, he's only had one experience where he tore a pad. So got really lucky there, too.
0: What do you do, like, when that happens? So when he
1: when he did rip his pad, he, it was kind of, like, towards the end of the day. So it was just head out. I did have tape. So I did tape it up. Um Personally, I don't even know if that helped or didn't help. It made me feel better.
0: Right. Got to do something.
1: Yeah. I figure, you know, it's a foreign object to him and he's never worn booties or anything, but it was, it was near the end of the day and it just took about three days and it healed up. So was again, really, really lucky. Like yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm still convinced he's a robot I'm, not, <laughs> I'm just a mere mortal that's trying to like hang on.
0: Oh man. That's, that's so incredible. I know you guys have done quite a bit of winter hiking as well. So I don't know. How does – because, like, I feel like – like, I mean, obviously for a person, like, there's a lot of differences, a lot of – just in the things you have to bring and the way your body reacts to winter hiking. So, yeah, like, how does that kind of change the equation uh, for Cole specifically?
1: Okay. So it changes it for me drastically and for him, barely. It's really? insane. Really? Um, again, he never wears booties. His paws are always fine, even – we went out on a day that was like negative forty wind chill. I want to say it may have actually even been lower than that. It, we started in the car. My car read negative twelve at the in the parking Jeez. lot. Damn. And as long as we keep moving, he is absolutely fine. Like no booties. I do put jackets on him. I will fully admit the mature, he has a closet. He has a straight up closet (laughs) with hangers. Um, So the jackets are more for show, but on days like that, I do think that they help. But he just, yeah, Yeah, exactly. And um, in the winter, like he eats pretty much the same types of food. And then for water, he barely ever will drink from a bowl again, which drives me freaking insane because I'm like, you're going to die but he loves to eat snow and it works for him cuz he's hydrated, even yeah. it really does and i mean he's put up he did a 50 mile day single day in the adirondacks in winter and jesus dude was fine like he had pep in his step at the end so i don't know how he does it really cold days he doesn't show any concern he doesn't try to go back to the car there's no problem so i do say oh i will say you know how they send the canaries in to like determine if, if, what is it, like if a coal mine has an issue? Am, am I accurate in that? I have
0: no idea. Coal mining, is not, my, coal mining is not my expertise, mining It's not mine either.
1: <laughs> I'm pretty sure they send some type of burden to know if there's like, it's like to know if there's carbon something. Oh, I don't okay, know. Okay. To know if people can't breathe, sure, basically. Sure. So my joke is that we know if coal lets out this little chirp three times, it's too cold to hike. Oh. It's only happened once. But he let out this, like, really weird little screech. And I was like, all right, it's too cold.
0: Damn, damn, damn. Yep. What ended up uh, happening then?
1: We just turned back. We didn't go to the summit. And that was two winters ago when we had what I refer to as the tundra. We had, like, two weeks of just negative temps. So... I didn't blame him. I didn't yeah. really like it either. I, yeah, I was going to say,
0: you, you probably weren't too upset about that either. Huh? No, <laughs> <laughs> that's too funny. That's too funny. Um, I guess. Yeah. What like what other just like general advice would you have for somebody who maybe wants to I, this is another question I asked Effie. Um, like yeah just general advice for somebody who might want to get their dog into let's not even say like through hiking or like 50 mile days during the winter in the Adirondacks let's just say like a day hike or maybe like an overnight (laughs) like a you know like very basic like hike I guess um yeah what what would be some general advice you'd give to somebody who wants to do that with their dog I'd probably
1: tell them the same thing that I did in the beginning which is bring everything in the start that a dog could possibly need like bring musher's secret for if their pads have an issue bring some booties even try them on prior cuz it's really weird for a dog the first time um like bring a little like blanket for them to sit on bring a bowl for water bring food bring a variety of treats that way you have everything and you're prepared for if there's an issue and then you can kind of figure out what the dog independently likes, because every dog's so different, just like how we have different like treats that we really like to bring on trail. Sure, sure. The only other thing I do throw out there, and I actually have done this with Cole, is practicing carrying your dog, which would be almost think of like a really rich older woman with a mink wrapped around her <laughs> wrapped around her <laughs> neck. That's how you typically would carry, unless you have a really huge dog, that's how you'd carry them out. So I usually just throw out there practicing that once or twice, just so just to know that your dog is comfortable being on yeah, yeah. your back like that. Um, and these are all worst case scenario situations, of course, of course. but I think it's just it can be good to practice.
0: Yeah, for sure, for sure. Can Can Cole do like ladders? Because I, I just thought of a story like. Oh man, this was like years, This is probably like four or five years ago now, but one time I was just hiking here in Vermont, I was on Mount Mansfield, and anybody who's hiked the Long Trail here might remember the section going like north up Mount Mansfield, there's like a number of ladders, and like one time I was going up, like there's a section of like two ladders pretty much, with like a little like section of rock in between, it's like pretty, pretty rugged, especially for like non-Adirondack or white standards, and There was these people coming down with a dog, and, like, the dog, like, was refusing to go down the ladder, like, it was just, like, not having it, and eventually the (laughs) person just, like, volunteered me to, like, catch the dog as she just, like, pushed it down the ladder, pretty much, I don't know, how how does, how does, not, not, like, she didn't just, like, fucking, like, kick the the goddamn thing off off the ladder, but... You know, she pretty much like forced it to go down and then I kind of like grabbed it halfway down and helped it. I don't yeah. know. Anyways, <laughs> what I'm getting <laughs> at awesome. here is can Cole just like send it up and down the ladders like that or do you have to kind of help him uh, when it comes to those?
1: The majority of ladders and even like the rungs that you have in like Maine, he can get up and down. The only th- there there is one that will be his nemesis his entire life. He can get up the ladder on high cannon, but he cannot get down it. And there's no way to skirt around it. Like, there's no little... It's just a straight-up cliff that comes down, and the ladder's your only option. So I just carry him down it. And it's actually... It's like my one time that he's affectionate and adorable. And he just wraps his arms around me like a little Aww. toddler, and I just carry him down it.
0: Oh, that's so funny. Where? What trail is that? I... I... I, it's I brought on my High map Cannon here.
1: on Cannon Mountain, so it's coming off of, like, if you're heading to Lonesome Lake, if you go pretty directly up to Cannon.
0: High Cannon. Is that, like, the name of the trail?
1: It is, yep.
0: High Cannon. Oh, shit, I don't remember. I, it was a number of years ago that I did Cannon, so <laughs> I can't quite remember. Damn. <laughs> well, that, that's pretty incredible. That, that's funny that it's just the one ladder that trips them up, too, eh?
1: I I really do call it his nemesis. It is the only thing like poor guy. He tried it once and I had a heart attack and he just like went tumbling and I had to like run down to grab him. He was absolutely (laughs) fine. But I was like, yeah, we're never doing that again.
0: That's so funny. That's so funny. Um, Let's talk about winter hiking a little more because we kind of touched on that already here. So from your message earlier today, it kind of sounded Maybe this maybe I didn't read this right, but you said that you started like nine years ago hiking during the winter and you kind of fell in love with it. Is that correct?
1: I did. So I hate or what I should probably say is I used to hate cold weather. I'm that person who's like constantly too cold. I love it when it's 100 degrees and humid and I'm happy. <laughs> and so some of my friends were into hiking and they were going in January and they were like, just come. And I pretty much laughed nonstop and then decided, well, you know, why not? And we did the best part of the story is that we did whiteface in New Hampshire. Just whiteface. No passicon away. Nope, just one little mountain. <laughs> left that outlier. Um, but it I loved it. It turned out you can be out there in negative temps and still be so warm. It's just this. You feel like you're battling the elements, all of your primal pieces come out. Like winter is now my absolute favorite season. Really? So I that was I went once and was completely hooked and basically that was when hiking became my primary favorite thing to do outdoors.
0: Interesting, interesting. See, I I just that's so incredible because I've had a couple guests on recently that do the winter hiking thing and and my regular listeners will know that I really don't, honestly. Like I've done a couple. Like <laughs> I've done um, mostly just the uh, the four thousand footers around here, like Camel's Hump and Mount Mansfield. I've done those in the winter. I did nice. Phelps, Phelps in the winter, and then I did Cabot. Yeah, it was Cabot, and, and those are pretty much the only like significant mountains that I've done during the winter. And honestly, like maybe maybe I need to go out and do some more because <laughs> I, I really haven't done any winter peaks in a couple of years. But I don't know. Like I'm just. I, I, I was never really a fan of it. So I just find yep. that so incredible that like your first hike was during the winter and like that's what hooked you, right? Not the beautiful July day when it's 70 degrees and the sun's out and you know, yep. like um, that's uh, I just, I don't know. What is it about the winter then that, um, that, 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 that yeah, like how do you like that more in summer? Like I don't even know. <laughs> I don't get it. I don't get it.
1: Well, part of it is I like hiking to avoid humans. Like most of us do. So um, in winter, you have a lot less people. In summer, on the weekends, the Franconia loop is really frightening for someone like me. Oh, yeah. in winter, there's just, there's a lot less people, especially nine years ago. It was a very small community that was out in the whites in winter. You basically knew when you passed someone, you knew who they were. It was yeah. really interesting. Thanks. And it has taken off, which is actually awesome. It's nice to see so many people getting outside in the winters between skiing or hiking or just taking advantage of how great it is up here. Mm-hmm. And so I like the fact that there's less people. I also like everything is just cleaner looking so all the leaves that obstruct a lot of views that you don't even know exist in winter you're higher up because you're like five eight feet i don't know this past winter we were probably 12 feet up on the trail and you get to just see things that you would never see in summer when it's all obstructed with you know yeah that's
0: true that's true that's true
1: um and just even the air because there isn't humidity there isn't that same haze so you get a lot just the views seem that much crisper to me and there's pretty much again there's just for me there's a primal aspect to it where when you're out there you feel like i'm not supposed to be here but i am and that's pretty rad
0: yeah shit okay i never i never really thought about it like that i mean i i kind of knew like the view opening up thing because like i said i've done a little bit but like shit i don't know I don't know. Maybe, maybe I need to give it another try. What would I think you, you should. What would you suggest, Um, say, in the whites, uh, for like a good like a peak to do during the winter for someone who is maybe an experienced hiker like me but not really in the winter and doesn't even own a pair of microspikes yet?
1: <laughs> All right. So I'd probably just get a pair of microspikes and then... <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that's probably step one, eh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally.
1: But then you could go and do, I would say, something like... I mean, like Adams in winter is amazing. Oh, come on. You're going to tell me on. to do the
0: second highest peak in New Hampshire, like my first time. Oh my God. But then you get
1: to look at all the beautiful presidentials and be That's so true. happy and they're covered in white. And again, you just feel like you're not supposed to, you're not supposed to be there. It's awesome.
0: <laughs> That's true. That's true. Um, I guess. Okay. So let's say I want to go do Mount Adams then during the winter, let's say it's February 2nd or something like that. Um, Where besides just googling the weather, where Mm -hmm. do you go to get like? I'm sure there's like some White Mountain like, freaking like fanatics here that are like (laughs) screaming at their phones. But where do I like such a basic question? But where do I go to like get like accurate weather updates and and maybe like trip reports from people that have been up there recently and all that stuff? So
1: I mean, the pretty classic places to look would be Mount Washington Observatory, the Higher Summit Forecast. Um, That one's updated pretty regularly, especially like the day prior, about 24 hours prior, it tends to be pretty accurate. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'll check just the higher summit forecast. You just Google like Mount Adams, New Hampshire, higher summit forecast. That one's not quite as accurate, but it'll give you an idea of what like wind speeds and like the wind chill factor is for the elevation you're looking at and location. And then for trail conditions, that part is probably the biggest in winter because I really hate to bring snowshoes for zero reason. And anyone from the Adirondacks, I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, so New England trail conditions is great. And I appreciate everyone that puts up trip reports because I am not one of them because I'm really lazy. <laughs> um, I don't have Facebook, but I know in the forums, people are pretty good at answering those questions, posting about their hikes. That's kind of taken over a lot of the things like view from the top used to be popular. And I think I think New England trail conditions and Facebook kind of took over for that.
0: Okay, interesting, interesting, yeah.
1: Or you can do what I do and just ask your friends that are hiking every other day.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess that's a that's a pretty good resource you get to tap into. Yeah. as Yeah. Well. Interesting, interesting. Um, how about just some more general White Mountain talk? So I've, I've covered the Whites like pretty extensively in the last like month or two of episodes because obviously Phillips episode. Um, that was I guess that was almost ten episodes ago now, but. Obviously, that was all about the Whites, and uh, my last guest, um, Sean Crawford, YouTuber, Syntax77, he uh, stunk quite a bit in the Whites as well, so we talked about it there, but I love the Whites. Um, Yeah, just what's your favorite, this might be tough, what's your favorite, like, just peak or area in general Uh of the Whites? If you need to think about it and talk (laughs) them over for a second, like, I, I totally get that too. I know you've done quite a few miles there.
1: Well, thankfully, this is a question people ask a lot, so... My my answer typically if I had like if you put a gun to my head, which would be so mean and made me answer it, I would say Mount Liberty. And the reason is I have I live I live actually right on the mass border. So I just shoot up 93. So for me to get to Liberty right like in the southern part of Franconia Notch and be able to hike that mountain, it's only about an hour 45 for me. So that's probably one of the closest beautiful peaks that I have. You, must be,
0: you must be driving like you're from Massachusetts too, then. Because isn't that isn't that further than?
1: Yeah, it's I'm right on the border, but I have New Hampshire plates. Very important to me. Yes. Um,
0: yes.
1: <laughs> so Liberty is just, it's a really beautiful peak that is pretty easily recognizable with the weird rock formations. And then I've witnessed more undercast sunrises and sunsets from there than any other peak. So that one just has my heart. It has a lot more memories, nostalgia for me. And then otherwise, I mean, Northern presidentials are out of this world and like absolutely nothing else in the Northeast. So I think those are pretty, those are pretty stamped in my brain
0: awesome awesome you think i might have to cut that comment about the massachusetts driving out what do you think (laughs) i I actually have like quite a few listeners from massachusetts too so sorry everybody it's really funny
1: you say it because it is like such a joke where i'm like yeah i'm like four miles from the border but i'm still in new hampshire
0: (laughs) that's so funny yeah sorry sorry people from massachusetts (laughs) I like Massachusetts. I've been there quite a bit. Um, <laughs> I like the Bruins too. Go Bruins. Yes. Shit. Game seven, yes. uh, two days from now. My my listeners know I'm a big Bruins fan. So awesome. Yes. I'm sorry, Massachusetts people. Um,
1: Actually, so if the Bruins win on thursday i have a hike planned and my friend will be wearing his jersey and i will be in my like bruins cheerleader outfit yes. for a hike. like yes. we are so ready
0: yes oh my god i hope they win i hope they win yes like my like yeah like i said my listeners know i'm a big bruins fan i've, I've mentioned it a couple times but like shit <laughs> like i've watched like almost i literally i so i got back from my my through hike on october 1st and 2018 and the bruins first game was on october 3rd so like this has consumed my post like through hike life. Like I've seen like pretty yes. much I think I've missed like two games and like the fact that they're maybe about to hopefully win the Stanley Cup is pretty incredible. So yeah, go Bruins. It'd be so amazing, <laughs> yes. It would be it would be. I'll spare my listeners any more hockey talk for now. <laughs> they're they're definitely gonna hear it if the Bruins win and if they lose, they're probably not gonna ever hear about it again. At least till yep. till next next ball. <laughs> so anyways, okay. Um so this this question about the whites, it it might be the same it might be the same answer but it is a little bit of a different question there's a there's a slight distinction here so you talked about your favorite like peak your favorite area in the whites how about what you would consider the most underrated part of the whites
1: so that for me would be the wildcat carter mariah range
0: really even though the at goes over there and i feel like all the four thousand footers are there and all that stuff so
1: are we talking, okay, maybe I need a clarification. This might be my bad. Um, I was thinking underrated in terms of actually is a lot more challenging than people give it credit for. Did you mean underrated in the sense of like, is absolutely beautiful, but not a lot of people get to?
0: You know, I didn't really mean anything. <laughs> so yeah, okay. That, that makes a lot more. I'm glad, I'm glad you said that. So let's, let's go with, Let's go with both why don't we do both shit all right, all right cool. so so I'll let you elaborate a little bit more on the difficulty thing. It's actually funny that you said the wildcat uh, that that area there because I I kind of asked a similar question to my last guest um, Sean Crawford and I, I can't remember exactly I think I said maybe what like what the most difficult one was and he said, like, the same thing, pretty much. And I would agree. I I, I haven't yes. hiked there as extensively as you have, but, I mean, I, I did the AT through there, obviously, on my through hike, and then I've done just, you know, one round of all the 4,000 footers, and I would definitely agree, like, that shit is, is pretty gnarly.
1: Yes, yes. um, Yeah, it just... I mean, I don't even know how you guys doing the at handle it like i would be such a wreck did you slack pack it did you no, kind of, like, no. dude I, amazing I, let's
0: see I, I i stayed in gorham and then i went from Pinkham notch to imp and then i went back into gorham nice. the next day but wow you know, one, one of my buddies did that um you know just like straight up through though with his pack and everything like just did the whole range at once which i don't know why he brought his pack then if he was going back to the same town but i don't know <laughs> Sorry, Sorry, Andy.
1: (laughs) Love it. Love it. Yeah, it's just, it's it's one of those that like, it's like 18 and change if you do like all those peaks in there, like following the AT. And it's just one of those really weird ones that if you look at the stats, you're like, oh, sweet, that'll be like a cool day. And then you get out there and it just becomes a time warp. It's like, they're just, they're very dramatic in a sneaky way.
0: Yeah, they are, they are. And I said this, uh, I think I said this last episode too, but that section, if you're going, you know, north on the AT from Pinkham Notch, yeah, Pinkham Mm -hmm. Notch, um, like from, yeah, from Pinkham Notch up to the top of whatever the first Wildcat is, I can't remember the freaking I call
1: them Wildcats Z. (laughs) (laughs) There's
0: so many goddamn letters, I don't even remember, but whatever the first one there is going north, that is the steepest section of the entire AT which definitely is a thing because that that shit's pretty crazy. I was yes. glad I, I had done it before like you know so I went up on my through hack. I kind of like knew what to expect but it was also better going up it for sure than it was going down it like I did the first time. So
1: yeah, I can imagine The nice part at least is you get those awesome views really quick. So like all of your effort is rewarded, but yeah, it's, it's a slap in the face. I
0: think if I was peak bagging it again, I'd probably just, I don't know. I, I don't think there's any rules against this. Like, can you just go up the ski trails? totally yes okay yeah i'd probably do that <laughs> yeah that's only because i've done it twice though if you haven't done it people you, d- you gotta do it at least <laughs> once for sure yes go exactly through, go through the misery that we've gone through <laughs> it's your initiation that's the deal <laughs> for sure for sure okay how about underrated as far as like maybe just like a an, uh, i don't even want to say beautiful because it doesn't have to just be like a scenic like thing like just most underrated as far as i don't know like the good vibe or something like that you, you get what hmm. i'm going for there
1: i i do and that's well probably one of like my happiest places that is underrated not really known well it is strangely enough it's right off the at but white wall which is that really visible line from z
0: cliff when you look out oh man i'm trying to think uh, yeah, I don't even know. What th- I've never even heard of that, honestly. Hence, <laughs> hence the underrated. This, is, this it, is sweet.
1: It definitely is. It's a really cool, active live slide. And so you just go up these, you basically rock surf going up these boulders that are moving on a pretty straight shoot and then climb up to some ledges and end up getting one of the most unique views of Carrigan Notch. Which is a really dramatic notch to look at. If you look at Kerrigan from that view, you're like, oh yeah, Kerrigan's kind of a beast. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just they're gorgeous, gorgeous ledges that you can you can see sunset, sunrise from. I've actually cowboyed up there under oh, a meteor nice. shower oh, and like, fuck yeah! I it's probably that was probably one of the best nights of my life. I'll never top it. Um, but it's just it's one of those really underrated sections. And also when you approach it, so you come in from from almost as though you were going to the Zealand Hut and just continue straight on the AT, like going to Thorough Falls. And that section, even just before you start bushwhacking to go up the slide, it reminds me very much about West. It's one of the few places out here where you just, all of a sudden you come out of the woods and it's just open and actually pretty easy footing that's just mostly dirt and flat and chill with these dramatic views. And it just has a very unique feel to it. So even just that section, like if someone doesn't even want to do the white wall craziness that it is, just to even go through that section of trail is amazing, which I'm pretty sh- – I swear it's the AT.
0: Yeah, no, it is. Okay, so I Sorry. I, I kind of pulled up the map there while you were talking, and I absolutely 100% remember this section now that you nice. really say it. So obviously, like you said, the AT just kind of like cuts through it, doesn't actually go up the, the wall or whatever. Or or, or goes at the bottom of it or whatever it is. But I 100% remember that shit because I had hiked, like, most of the trails around there before when I was doing my 4,000 footers. Like, I'd obviously done, like, Tom Field, Wiley, and I'd cut over to Hale, and I'd been to, like, the Zealand Falls hut before in Zealand Mountain itself. But I'd never done that little skirt from the hut to, I guess it's Crawford Notch on the AT. And I remember the shit out of that because I was, like dead tired when i got to zealand falls hut and we still had probably what like eight or nine ten whatever it is miles to go to the notch Show. i don't remember the exact number and i was just i was kind of dreading it i was kind of not in like a super great mood and then once i started hiking and left the hut that shit was just so awesome that like i couldn't help but like even though i was like kind of cranky like i, I still remember it being like one of my favorite parts of like the entire section in the whites honestly and maybe maybe that's because i've kind of done most of the at through there already and that was one section i hadn't but i absolutely remember that that's uh that's pretty funny that you say that yeah for sure (laughs) for sure uh that section is awesome i i definitely want to make it back there i kind of want to ask you more about these like slides so like the slides are a huge thing in the adirondacks too obviously um you know i obviously they exist in the whites i i feel like maybe not quite as much or at least they don't get as much um People don't talk about them as much in the Whites, maybe, because they're, like I said, they are pretty huge in the Adirondacks, but um, I don't Definitely. know, like, shit, like, how did you, do you just, like, bushwhack them, pretty much, <laughs> just, like, go off them, or go off the trail and, like, just hike up the slides, like, damn. You do,
1: it. everything you're saying is so accurate, where, like, the Adirondacks have these dramatic, amazing slides, especially since Irene, like, just awesome stuff out there and we don't have quite as much ours is a little more hidden
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, but yeah basically you what I do for the most part is there are times that I would just stand on a summit or on an outlook and say what is that and then I'd go research it and figure out how to get to the base of it mm-hmm. and climb up it Um some of them do have to do with like the 100 highest list, I believe, which is not one I'm actively working on. But I think like I've done like the Lowell slide, which I know Lowell's on that list, or I'm pretty sure. Um, I'm pretty sure you can approach it without doing the really gnarly left shoot. So when you, Lowell is basically the mountain you look at when you're standing on Signal Ridge heading towards Carrigan. And there are three very dramatic slides on it. And Cole and I did the left shoot which is crumbly and terrible, and I don't recommend anyone to send it. <laughs> oh, no. Um, but yeah, it was, it was just kind of fun to start to figure out different ways to get to either the same peaks or unique peaks and just have a new view of different things. So like I said, I mean, I, I love the Franconia Loop. I think it is beautiful. I'm glad that, like, National Geographic recognized it that's great but it is crawling with humans and they scare me. <laughs> so, I started trying to find new ways to get up to Franconia Ridge without needing to be on trail. So things like Dry Brook Ravine or Lincoln's Throat, which is a really common ice climbing route, became really interesting to me. So basically veering off of Falling Waters or Old Bridal Path and getting away from people for a while, being able to go up some pretty slabby technical interesting stuff has been really fun and it gives again it gives you you're on a slide so the entire time you have killer views for sure
0: for sure yeah i never even thought about that like i said like i didn't even really realize that people actually hike up these slides and in the white's and even in the Adirondacks, like I don't really know anybody who's who's done too much of that stuff. Maybe some people that yeah. have like backcountry skied it during the winter, the slides there. But shit, that's a uh, that's pretty incredible. I gotta I gotta try that sometime. That actually sounds pretty fun. Um, yes. Do you do you just like do you have like a GPS that you use, or you just use a map and compass? Like, how do you kind of? I, I guess if you're on a slide, like it's pretty easy to tell like where to go. <laughs> but I don't know, shit. Nope. Like, how do you deal with the navigation? Because that's always something that kind of makes me hesitant because I've never really bushwhacked before.
1: Um, for me. It's a combination of different things. It can be either researching. Like, thankfully, there are a few people that I know that have done these, so I can pick their brain prior, just to know what to look for and what to pay attention to. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, there there is information out there. Basically, the whole like people will probably get a little annoyed that I'm even mentioning these things because they're supposed to be these well like kept secrets. And my whole thing is look. If you're willing to do the research and go through the effort to get to these places, I have no problem telling you they exist. Yeah. I'm not telling you how to get there. I'm just telling you they exist. <laughs> um, so basically, you know, I do my research either online. Um, some of these are abandoned trails, like Adams has an abandoned slide that still has old Um, blazes on it actually it's really cool it's very overgrown but it's awesome you get to kind of you can look through old guidebooks to find information Um, when I first started I would do more map and compass style and now Because I've been in the white so much, I feel very comfortable going off trail and connecting things.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, A lot of these I did do with friends that had GPS as well. So I do want to preface it with that. The majority of them are with friends. We would work together, sync up and figure out what feels right, check the GPS. Um, But some of them I would do on my own. And thankfully, I mean, I'll give Cole credit. That dude can find a trail that intersects anytime he needs to. That's awesome. We actually, this past winter, Phil was like, the wolf has built-in GPS, was the joke. (laughs) So that's that's very calming and helpful.
0: Yeah, that's something I should probably mention, too, is uh, you're pretty good friends with Philip Karsha, who was my guest on episode 24. Maybe I did say this earlier, I can't quite remember, but Yeah. (laughs) And you were you were featured in his story at the end of our episode there too. I'm sure a lot of people have yes. heard that one. That's <laughs> that's one of my pretty much is my most popular episode so far. So
1: that's awesome.
0: That's pretty sweet. Um, there's just one more like kind of topic I want to ask about before we get to your story time segment. So, this northeast ultra eight thing i had never heard of this in my entire life until today when you were messaging me about it what like what what is this and (laughs) how did you like how did you crush this
1: so all right this i might make you edit this bear with me um (laughs) just that's gonna be for you a heads up so so the ultra eight list is there was three i gotta think there were three guys from the New York area that created a list of what they considered the eight hardest hikes in the Northeast. And obviously there's like a grafted notch loop, a hut to hut, there's so much more that you can add to that. But they basically tried to choose a variety of hikes in distance and difficulty throughout the Northeast. So there's like the Taconic Crest Trail, which touches Vermont, New York, and Mass. And it's like 38, 39-ish miles, but, you know, you go through three states. That's pretty rad.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, there's the Cranberry 50, which is a 50-miler in the Adirondacks, but it only has about five or 6,000 of gains. See,
0: I was going to say, I've done both the Cranberry Loop and the Grafton Loop Trail in Maine, and Grafton Loop Trail is definitely harder. It's... Way harder, <laughs> yes,
1: especially because you're supposed to complete them in a day.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: but they, I think that they chose the variety. Like they put a Pemi loop on there, which is a little more rugged. They did yeah, a yeah. great range traverse. They have the Saranac Six, which is that's unique just because it's thirty-six miles, but you're getting in and out of the car,
0: driving right. to different trailheads. Oh, see, that's that's I I almost did that a couple of years ago. And oh, I, yes. I, I I wish we had more time because like I want to. I'll have to maybe I'll try to have to get someone else, or maybe you can do another episode and we can talk about that. Because <laughs> anyway, sorry, sorry, continue.
1: Yeah, it's just it's a varied list. Um... They – so they basically created it to be – they had a summer patch or like a non-winter patch and a winter patch and it was just something that kind of was through – heard about through the grapevine, sounded cool. I think like I had already done probably five of them already anyway. So I was mm-hmm. like, cool. It's going to get me to do some different things I would I had never even heard of. I didn't know what the TCT was. Um so sounded cool to me, and then I found out that one of the dudes was quoted saying, "Well, if some chicken or little dog can do these, how hard can they be?" And that was pretty much the end. Like, game on, dude! Like, it. Sorry, I I really want to swear there. You can swear. Um, you can swear. Swear uh, your
0: heart out. <laughs>
1: I I think my response was, "Game on, motherfucker." And we completed that thing really fast because he wanted to be the first one to get it. And then...
0: So you you beat him at his own challenge?
1: Beat him. Cole is the number one finisher listed.
0: (laughs) A dog
1: that weighs 40 pounds beat the dude. Nice, Um, nice. And then also they do have the winter patch, which I will throw out there. Again, Like I don't want to sound like some arrogant freak, but... um, so the Mahusik Traverse in winter had never been completed in a single day, at least on record, um, until I want to say it was four winters ago when myself and six friends went and Cole went and did it.
0: What's? Can you just clarify what the Mahusik Traverse is?
1: So the Mahusik Traverse is all at. So you've done it. So that's
0: what I was thinking. I'm just trying to like pinpoint like where to where.
1: So it's half New Hampshire, half Maine. So you start, it goes through Grafton Notch, basically. Okay.
0: So basically the hardest part of the, I was gonna say the hardest part of the entire AT, pretty much. You got
1: it. (laughs) Yep. So we did that in winter with headlamps on, handing coal off through that boulder field. Oh my God. Um, And it's not broken out. It's not well-traveled. It is, it was a really hard day. And even since then, No one has replicated it. So, (laughs) yeah, um, not to say no one's capable. It just hasn't actually been done. Right, Someone, we, every single winter, we're like, someone's going to go grab this. Um, But that was another just kind of funny one where the guy, you know, they did the Cranberry 50 in winter and he was all jazzed up and it's like, oh, sorry, dude, but like, we're going to go grab that a couple weeks later and you're not going to (laughs) get that patch either. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Being yeah, his I, own game. <laughs> yes. Every every now and again, like that little competitive twinge comes out.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, we got some some spiciness on Trail Tales today. I love <laughs> it. <laughs> That's so funny. That's so funny. Um what so did, did you okay, I can't even remember now. Did you did you go through every single thing on that list there? Or did
1: Um So there's also a Devil's Path, Prezi Traverse? I think I think that's all of them.
0: Okay, cool. So yeah, just kind of all over the northeast, then, huh?
1: They really, and I will get. I will say this for the list: it is very, it's really varied. So I really, it's actually funny. I mean, I ran the Boston Marathon just so people would stop asking if I've ever done the marathon. (laughs) Like part of the reason I did all eight was just so people would stop asking if I'd done them. So I would just recommend, even if people don't care about lists, there are actually eight really varied, unique, fun types of hikes yeah um so they're worth doing the same way that i think like the northeast 115 is worth doing even some of those peaks kind of suck but you know what you gotta go to like the no view walk through a bog peaks to appreciate (laughs) the other ones so
0: (laughs) for sure for sure I'm hoping I'm 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 done with the no view ones. I've got like I don't I think it's either, like a hundred or hundred and one of the one fifteen and all like nice. the all like the bushwha- or not bushwhacks all the herd paths in the Adirondacks are all done pretty much and I got to go grab the Catskills ones too and and those look pretty tame so I'm hoping I'm I'm almost there. <laughs> yes, you're so close. Awesome, awesome. So I think we're gonna start to wrap this up a little bit now. I am on a streak of. Forgetting to remind my guests about like the whole story time thing at the end of the episode, but I know you listened to Phillip's episode, so I'm <laughs> hoping you I'm hoping you remember. At the end of these episodes, I always like to ask my guests to just share like a story, like any story from, um, not not just any story, their their favorite story from any of their hikes. That's what I was going for there. And I know you've done a shit ton of stuff, so if you need to take a second to think about it, <laughs> no worries at all. I, I feel like people either like immediately know the story they're going to tell or they like just like have to just pick or like a random one because they have so many that they can't even you know make a decision so i don't know um when you're ready i'd love to hear just whatever that like go-to story if you're at like a campfire or a bar or something and someone asks you whatever your best story is yeah i'd I'd love to hear mm-hmm. that
1: <laughs> well so usually probably my go-to would have been the winter mahusak just because that was such that was a really hard trying day in, you know, in winter and a super remote, there's nowhere to bail type of area with kind of just a ragtag group of people trying to like walk through the woods. <laughs> but it's funny that you say this because um I really appreciated Phil sharing our hellacious WCM in October <laughs> story. And so actually on Saturday, I told Phil, I will be returning the favor and discussing our most recent hike together, which was on Saturday.
0: Nice.
1: Um, so we ended up doing all of the Pemi Peaks in a single day, which is 14 4,000 footers with two bushwhacks over the course of 45-ish miles. And it was, it was anywhere we had varying data between all of us, but it's anywhere from about 16 to 19,000 of gain. We all were, we were all over the map. Um, so basically what we did was just before midnight, we started up the flume slide and covered all of Franconia Ridge in the dark under a perfect like starlit sky. Oh, that
0: must have been amazing. I've always wanted to be up there on the presidentials at night on a clear night like that.
1: Yes, yes. It's just it was like just so perfect to start the night out. And then in the dark we bushwhacked down the Lincoln slide, which is one of the biggest, most recognizable slides in the whites, especially if you're going up Owl's head slide, you can see it really, really clearly. And it's just a huge V coming off of the Franconia Ridge. So we bushwhacked down that slide, went up Owl's Head slide, then bushwhacked down Owl's Head on kind of like north off of the summit, went up to Garfield, like through 13 Falls up to Garfield, kind of as a spur, came back down over to Gale Head as the spur. Up to South Twin, went out to North Twin oh, as a spur, came back, um, took the Twin Way over to the Bonds, grabbed West Bond, Bond, and Bond Cliff, and then flipped around, went to Zealand, hit that hut like nobody's business because we were all <laughs> really hungry and thirsty. I can't imagine. Um, saw the sun setting from Z Cliff at that point; the lighting was gorgeous, and then headed up to Hale and out. And that was an amazing day because it was one of those things that Phil and I had always thrown out there, really wanted to do. We only know of one other person that has completed that in a single day. And it's Sue Johnson, who is an absolute beast of a woman and so (laughs) inspiring that I I never even thought it could be done. Um, So it was really nice to just get out there and complete that. And we just we laughed and had fun and kind of... Phil and I do joke that we want a no-suffering clause in our friendship after 2019. Like, (laughs) we just need to write it into this friendship contract. But it was just the most perfect day. Everyone got along great. Cole was amazing and never lost his focus. Like, he was dialed in, Phil was dialed in, and I just followed my wolves.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. That's so incredible. Like... I can't even imagine. Like, even just doing like the normal like pemmy Loop in a day, like that blows my mind that people can do that. I did it in, like two and a half days way back when, So
1: so you got to enjoy it, is what you're saying. Actually, no, <laughs> I
0: didn't because it was fucking raining the whole time. But in uh, theory, in theory, I'm I'm gonna go yes. back and I I'm gonna go back and do it for sure because that definitely such an epic hike for sure. And I, I guess I did half of it, or a little bit less than half of it on my through hike again. But yeah, yeah. Um, that's that's so incredible. Like you guys, you guys are killing it. You guys are killing it for sure. Um, Thank you. I think uh, I think we're gonna end it on that. I love talking about the whites. I'm so glad we got to do that a lot today. Um, Sweet. Yeah, just let me thank you one more time for ta- for one more time for taking the time. Yeah, thank and, you for uh, having
1: me. This of is course, awesome, of
0: course. And we're gonna have to do another one. You know, once uh, you and Cole kind of finish up in August, um, I'd love to have you guys back on and maybe talk a little bit more about the uh, Cranberry Fifty and the Saranac Lake Sixer. Because, like I said, I've done the fifteen. That's one of the, yes. the last hikes that I've done that I really haven't talked about very much on this podcast. So.
1: That's awesome that you've done it because not a lot of people really know about it. So that's...
0: It's that's definitely rad. a hidden gem of the Adirondacks for sure. It gets yeah, it it's... gets overshadowed like every other part of the Adirondacks by the high peaks. So yeah, that's an awesome hike for sure. Um, So yeah, we're gonna have to do another one is what I'm saying here. And I, <laughs> I really appreciate you taking the time for one. So that's awesome. That sounds great. Yeah, for sure. I guess my last question is... Where can people go to follow you and call on your future adventures?
1: So I only use Instagram and the handles Wonder Woman Super Pop. <laughs> just, yeah. <laughs> You'll just get it that, once you
0: see your pictures, Yeah, just, just let that soak
1: <laughs> in. <laughs>
0: You'll get it. It makes a lot more sense then. <laughs> yes. If you like dogs and you like dog pictures you're gonna love her instagram (laughs) it's awesome i found it way before i even started this podcast and talked to philip and all that stuff so uh, yeah Nice. hell yeah i think we're gonna wrap it up